It's the Big Wake Up Call. I'm Ryan Gatenby, and time to get to my next guest. He's making a return appearance on our show, and once again, we're going to talk Van Halen and more. He's the co-author of a new biography, Ted Templeman, a platinum producer's life in music, and going to chat with Greg Renoff. And uh, Greg, welcome back to the show. Hey, Ryan. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate you calling in today. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Glad the book is out. It's been a long road, and it's exciting that it's out. For someone who's accomplished so much as a musician and a producer, Ted Templeman probably isn't as well-known as producers. You mentioned George Martin, Phil Spector, Mutt Lang. So for our listeners, who is Ted Templeman? You know, Ted Templeman is a guy who I think most people, if they listen to classic rock radio for an hour, are going to hear two or three songs. Ted produced the Doobie Brothers, Van Halen, Little Feet, Carly Simon, Joan Jett, cheap trick. I mean, the list is very, very, very long, but, um, you know, in doing the biography with Ted, I learned, uh, from my conversations with him, which went back all the way to his, his childhood. Uh, Ted Templeman is also a musician. Ted was a, a jazz phenom of shorts as a child. He was a trumpet player. He took up the drums. He played piano, learned to play guitar. And, um, Ted later went on to be a, a minor pop star of sorts. He was in a band called Harper's Bazaar, which had their Moment in the Sun in the late 60s. They had a hit with a Simon Garfunkel's song, Feeling Groovy. They did a cover of it. Yeah. And there was a kind of a sunshine pop group. And uh, then Ted eventually transitioned into becoming a record producer and uh, eventually became an executive vice president for Warner Brothers Records. So Ted wore a lot of hats, but I think most people would know Ted Templeman from Long Train Run-In, uh, Van Halen Jump, Running with the Devil. Uh, the list is uh, long, as I mentioned earlier. Those would be the songs that people probably would know. So how did you come to work with uh, with interviewing Ted for his bio? You know, I did uh, I did the Van Halen Rising book yeah. in 2015. The uh, process of doing that, I got to interview Ted for the book. And when uh, the book came out, Ted was uh, impressed with it and liked it. And uh, in the wake of that book's release, I, I got to talk to Ted to some more. We exchanged emails and talked on the phone a bit. And I uh, pitched the idea of doing a, a biography of him for my next project. And he was a little, I think a little taken aback and kind of, lukewarm about the idea um you know as, as you mentioned a lot of times producers are not very well known and most of them actually don't really seek the spotlight it's not their thing they want to make their artists look good they want to make good sounding records and sort of be the person who can stand in the background and um, make everybody else shine and i talked to ted about the fact that i really wanted to put the emphasis on the art and the artists particularly uh, you know obviously it would be his his life story and music and his um comings and goings through different stages of his life but it would be about you know, his work with someone like Michael McDonald, who uh, ended up being uh, joining the Doobie Brothers in 1975 and, of course, became such a, a key figure in the transition and their sound and working with Lowell George of Little Feet, uh, working with Eddie Van Halen, working with Sammy Hagar. And, uh, you know, Ted's Ted's partnership with those guys in the studio and on this great music and uh, what, what came of it for these songs that are going to live forever. And so when I talked about that way with Ted, it was going to be really focused on the... Um, the material that that Ted put so much of his energy into, and um, how much he worked with those artists to try to accomplish studio magic, he he became more uh, more enthused about it, and we we went after it. And well, I want to get to Van Halen in a in a minute, but uh, talking about the Doobie Brothers, I have to say I have a, a vinyl copy of The Captain and Me, and I put it on to prep for this interview, and China Grove just explodes out of the speakers and to me ted's trademark it's just a clean powerful sound the band at their best and he's not one of those producers that adds a lot of himself into the records 
You know, that's the thing that's really interesting, too, is that when you, you mentioned Phil Spector, I think when you, you listen to Phil Spector, he's so well-known for, obviously, his production style, the wall of sound. And whoever he produced, whether it was a remote or somebody else, had that wall of sound. Yeah. Um, distinctive, distinctive thing. We heard the record country. Phil Spector probably did this. And uh, there really isn't a Ted Templeman sound. So Ted Templeman, as you mentioned, did Van Halen, did Doobie Brothers. Uh, but they don't really sound that much alike. And then if you think about the fact that Ted did, Nicolette Larson uh, had that big hit in 1978, 79 with A Lot of Love, which was a huge, a huge record for her. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of love doesn't sound anything like Van Halen or doesn't sound anything like um, any of the other records he made with Little Feet. So there was, you know, there really wasn't a Ted Templeman sound. It was really about him trying to um, figure out what was going to work best for that particular artist and make, make it sound sound great so for Van Halen he wanted it really loud very raucous and obviously in your face and with the Doobie Brothers he really wanted to emphasize their musical and instrumental mesh say two guitars uh sometimes they had actually had three guitars at the band at one point two drummers so Ted really wanted to have a cleaner production to make all of those instruments kind of distinct so when you listen in headphones listen on a good stereo you could hear the two drummers playing or hear Skunk Baxter and Tom Johnson playing together on the record yeah um, and make all those instruments kind of sparkle and well, and another uh, testament to uh, Ted's production is, you know, some records will come on and you're like, oh, yeah, boy, that sounds like a 70s or boy, that's an early 80s sound. The productions that uh, he has, especially for me, uh, Doobie Brothers and Van Halen, those are timeless. Those records could have been made today and uh, have a contemporary sound. You know, it is really a, a remarkable thing. I would say that, you know, that that really is one of his his trademarks, the 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 records that become ageless. And there's, you know, there's a lot of producers who can who can pull that off at different times. But even someone like uh, Mutt Lang, I mean, I think uh, Hysteria is such a classic record and I love it so much, but it does very much sound like the 80s. But I would agree with you, something like The Captain and Me or um, any of the other stuff, the Doobie stuff from the early 70s, it really doesn't sound sonically like it. You could actually put your finger and say, oh, that definitely was a, an, an album that was done in you know 1973. It doesn't have any of those characteristics of the quote-unquote era. So yeah, Ted was was pretty careful usually, and I think pretty conservative about thinking like, we don't want this to be um, something that's going to date, become dated very soon or something that would be kind of maybe locked into an era. So yeah, that was definitely a, something I think he, he strove for. And you're talking about Van Halen uh, recording 1984. And Ted, after years of working at uh, at, at Sunset Studios, they, Ed wants him to record at 5150 in his backyard and and having doubts about that. And I thought that was uh, interesting that uh, he could probably make a, a great sounding record out of, uh, you know, out of a shack. Yeah, I mean, I think that was that was one of the things that's when in doing the book was really interesting to, to get down in the you know, in the weeds with Ted with that stuff and really talk about his his uh, relationship with Eddie Van Halen, how uh, um, much affection personally he feels for him and how much he really wanted Eddie to be happy. And so there was, Ted was kind of torn by that situation because he knew that um, Ed was very proud of his home studio and that Don Landy, who was Ted's right-hand man and Ed's um, engineer as well, had worked really, really hard to make that studio such an amazing sounding studio. And look, the sound of 1984 uh, speaks for itself, but Ted had some reservations knowing it was a home studio and it, it wouldn't be as technically sophisticated and there also would be um, not necessarily a time limit on things where there would be, if you work in a, a studio where you're paying for the time, obviously you have to get out of that studio before the Rolling Stones come in or before someone else comes in. And right. so I think Ted was a little bit concerned about the open-ended nature of that. But, you know, in the end, um, that was not an easy record to make, but it's certainly something that is, uh, I think, again, held up over time. The millions of copies sold is, uh, you know, kind of uh, stands for itself as a, a testament to the greatness of that record. 
And talking about, uh, you know, a timeless sound, and you talk about, Ted, having concerns and doubts about uh, the synthesizer sound, and that's not really a, a mm-hmm. Van Halen trademark. And, you know, with uh, with other records, I hear a synthesizer, and like, yep, that's 1983. And the Van I don't know, the way, he, the way it's mixed, the way the sound, it's just like, that's just a sound. It's not a, a date. It's not a 1980-specific sound. Yeah, I mean, I think that was another really, really uh, for me as a Van Halen fan to really talk to Ted about that. As I think there's been a lot, you know, Ted hasn't really talked about this on the record much at all. And, you know, it was interesting to hear from Ted talk about the fact that, you know, he um, at first was a little bit lukewarm about Eddie's synthesizer ideas. But when he heard Jump, as it had been kind of put together by Eddie and Alex, they'd kind of put together um, the basic tracks for it, had laid it down one night. Ted heard it. He goes, wow, this really sounds amazing. And Ted realized that it actually the song was catchy and it had a potential to be something that was going to make a splash ted was more concerned about i think the the uh the reputation of van halen being such a such a hard rock in your face band have something that's come out with the synthesizers it would be such a left turn that people maybe wouldn't accept it in other words you have a hit with it but then the, the credibility of the band is damaged and i think that was what ted was concerned about um about that that shift in sound because it was going to be so different than the other Van Halen stuff. And, you know, Ted's credit, he freely admits in the book that, you know, that he gives credit to Eddie Van Halen for seeing that idea through that basically Eddie was the, you know, basically waving the flag for his own song and saying, this is good. And I want to do this. And I, I want this on the record. And, and uh, you know, Ted was smart enough to say, okay, this is the guy's art. He really believes in it. And again, Ted could hear the, hear there was something special about it. it you know, kind of, they, they put it out there and of course it's a, it's a number one hit that changes the, the face of rock so yeah it was a it was quite an adventure to make that um, that album that that song but um yeah the synthesizer was something that definitely gave ted pause uh greg ultimately what would you like readers to take away from the book what what did you want them uh, if you had one lesson to learn about ted templeman what what would you want that to be you know i think i think that for ted i even speak about ted specifically i think ted was all about the albums and the music i mean that was really his life that was what he poured his heart and soul into it wasn't about um fame or fortune for him it was just about he loved making records he had loved records since he was a little kid but the other lesson i would i would say is that i would hope that people when they read the book even if they're not necessarily a a person who um you know is necessarily familiar with the ways that records are made in studios it, it really is about collaboration around art and teamwork and i think one of the things that i really learned from ted at being a record producer is in some ways being, you know, maybe like a therapist at times or being a coach or being a director or uh, any number of things you can imagine, because there are so many moments that it seems like the record's never going to get done, or there's, there are going to be high points and low points and people have insecurities and they're confident and they lose confidence. And so it's, 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 uh, I think for anybody who's involved in those types of creative projects where there's collaboration, where they were, you know, team in an office, you can kind of learn the lessons that Ted kind of tries to express about how he, worked um his artists through those those moments by really trying to keep people focused on the fact that we can do this it's going to be good let's get it out and do it and um even when it looked like things were not going to work so it was it was a that was a big lesson for me and i i think some other people would take something from that too i'm glad you mentioned that because some people you know hear a record producer and like it's not just the guy pressing buttons and you know adjusting the sound and placing the microphones but yeah all of that goes into it producing a record is about uh, it's about uh, relationships yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's just, about, you know, um, I, he talked quite a bit about, you know, Michael McDonald and, and a number of other, these other um, massive talents. And one thing for me, for Ted to sort of say, like, look, 
you know, I have insecurities. You know, I would be, uh, as a producer, I would think this record's not going to do as well, and I'd be trying to maybe hide it from other people, you know, keep them confident. But on the other hand, he talked about these amazing talents like Michael McDonald, say, you know, someone like that, they're not always 100% secure. And it's kind of hard for us to wrap our heads around like an Eddie Van Halen or a Sammy Hagar or a Michael McDonald, these people you look at as these supreme talented vocal or guitar and just say like, you know, those people are, you know, they have their moments too. And you have to be able to get down to their level and kind of go, look, you can do this. Just like a coach would sort of help a quarterback who's thrown three interceptions or something in a, you know, in a game, but they can, you can do this. It's okay to check it off. It's, and that sort of, you know, to kind of understand that to sort of when you idolize as a fan, these people with such this amazing talent and you sort of go, Oh, you know, they have, they have moments too, where they need somebody to kind of pat them on the back and go, come on now, this is, it's going to be all right. That was, that was really eye opening for me because I think for me, I had sort of that idea in my mind that, you know, of course someone like that would never doubt their own abilities, but yeah, it's, it's, it's art, right? Because you, you worry, you know, maybe this isn't good. Maybe this isn't going to be good. Now, when you compare that to three interceptions in one game, did you add that because you know I'm a Bears fan? <laughs> no, I'm a Jets fan. Are you kidding me? Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, I was thinking about my own misery as a fan. So, <laughs> uh, And the book is uh, Ted Templeman, a platinum producer's life in music. My guest is the co-author Greg Renoff. And, uh, well, Greg, thank you so much for joining me today. Ca- call us back anytime. I-, I can talk rock and roll for hours. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really appreciative.